Hello, and welcome to Haunts and Creeps. I'm your host, Asia. And I'm Asia's weird cousin, Rose. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) I know. (laughs) A little out there. Yeah. Oh, you need to mute yourself on your phone, by the way. Um, you're the one with sound problems, Missy. You got sound problems. I don't got sound problems. Just having some technical issue. <laughs> got it. All right. Okay. So, uh, we didn't discuss who's going first. Me or you? Uh, you should go first. All right, I'll go first. Welcome, everybody. We are doing a special... Jesus. We're doing a special Haunted Items episode. Asia and I will both be sharing. Uh, but before that... Why is my mic so quiet? Before that... <laughs> <laughs> and my computer fell off its stand. Oh my god. Guys, <laughs> we're having a great day. <laughs> before that, we have a few things to discuss. First of all, Asia, what are you drinking yes. this week? I am drinking a limited edition Kraken Spiced Rum. It is specifically for Colorado. It says Kraken Attacks Colorado. That's on the label. (laughs) Isn't the Kraken a sea animal? Yes. Creature? Yes, it is. And what do we know about Colorado, Asia? We are not by the ocean. No. (laughs) So good luck, Mr. Kraken. Um... Also, limited edition. I thought Kraken was, like, cheap. Kraken is... It's about mid-level. You can get bottom shelf rums. It's, like, the one step up. Oh. And it's limited edition flavor. It's for the middle class. Like us. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm drinking... (laughs) I'm drinking a screwdriver with McCormick Vodka. Which is so cheap that it comes in a plastic bottle. Mmm, fancy. It says that it is quadruple distilled from American grain since 1856. American made. So, shite. It's vodka, which is not an American alcohol. (laughs) Right, and isn't vodka made from potatoes? Yeah, I was just about to say that. Vodka's made from potatoes. I mean, maybe you can make it from anything. Technically, you could, but this vodka has little itself. pictures of corn on it. So you've got a corn liquor. <laughs> wow. So middle class. <laughs> I think you stepped just a little lower. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, and then our other, our other, uh, oh God. Our other thing we have to discuss is, uh, something creepy of the week. Disturbing. I'm so good at hosting these these episodes. You're doing great. I'm proud of you. <laughs> um, I've been having trouble coming up with a decent one. Today was a nostalgia day for dinner. A what? Wait, nostalgia day. Oh. We went to pop. We went to Popeyes and then Dairy Queen. This and is I haven't not been disturbing. to either. Stop. That's not disturbing. Oh, it was disturbing tell... that it's been ten years since I have been to either one of those. Wow. I don't so know. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna tell mine because it's big enough for both of us. Alright, let's do it. Alright. You already know. But um well my 
loving boyfriend was off at work at some other state for two weeks. I was home alone with the dog. And one night, I'm walking the dog. We're coming back up the stairs. And there's this fucking box outside one of my neighbor's doors in this apartment complex. And it's like... box? I know. It's not a box. It's like... Did we figure out what it is? Like a chest. It's a piece of furniture. That's right. Yes. Yeah. It's a... Basically, if you took a box and put some legs on it and a top that kind of folds out, but not really, that's what it was. It was like a chest thing. Yeah. Almost like a shitty side table at one point. And it gave me the heebie-jeebies immediately because it's like black and it has like red and black painting that's like paisleys and like the top of the box has like this weird fucking tree thing and it's fucking old and shitty looking and it's open. It's like weirdly open. The The top but doesn't like- make any sense. It opens by like a slat, like an like two inches wide. And it has, like, fucking, like, arms that let it, like, slide open. But that's as open as it gets. It's a two-inch slat. Yeah, it's a pretty useless box. Yeah. And it's just sitting there in the night, you know, under some creepy, you know, like, blinking lights that are dying. You know, it was creepy. So, anyways. Yeah. I come back. uh, The dog and I go to bed. And I have a short spell of um, fucking sleep paralysis, which happens to me a decent amount. Um, And in my sleep paralysis, I was like thinking of the box and it was like, it was like, I never opened my eyes when I am paralyzed sleeping, but it was like I zoomed out the door towards the box like really fast like I just zoomed towards it and then I opened my eyes and I was like fuck that and I'm awake um <laughs> are you recording me no Yo. I was taking a picture for the gram you <laughs> what what <laughs> okay so yeah a little bit of sleep paralysis no big deal it's a little creepy but then and you've seen this video Asia and we should put that on the mm-hmm. gram too in the middle of the night Loki, my dog, starts fucking woofing. Like, not just, not just like barking, but like, he gets up. We call it, it's like chuffing. It's like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's low, soft. Yeah. Yeah. He was in bed with me. He jumps off the bed, goes out into the living room, and he starts going, woof, woof. (laughs) And I'm like, what the fuck? So I pull out my camera, and he's like woofing, and he's going over to the fucking window that looks out towards that box and he's just like peering at it with his ears all perked up woofing and I was like what the fuck is this and eventually he stopped but like it was fucking creepy and for the rest of that week that box was there and one day it disappeared and I was like oh someone finally like grabbed it because it was like they put it out there so someone could pick it up for free or something but no someone just took it and moved it to the fucking um, dumpster. So it's just <laughs> sitting by the dumpster for a couple of days. And then it, w- it disappeared. It was gone. Yeah, the video of the dog chuffing at the window 
that you sent me, I was looking at it. I'm like, she's going to straight up get murdered. I, I, I wasn't right? even thinking the box. I was like, don't die, don't die, don't die, don't die. Yeah, there was <laughs> nothing there. I forgot to mention that. There was fucking nothing there. And I wasn't thinking the box at first. I was definitely on your train of like, someone's trying to break in. And I had mm-hmm. been like watching some scary shows and shit too, because I like horror but it's different when it's the middle of the night and your fucking dog is randomly chuffing at nothing, but is, like, obviously interested in the door and the window. There's something there we just can't see. Yeah. Ugh. That was freaky. That was my disturbing thing of the week. Yeah. That was a pretty good one. I... I've had a very uneventful month and a half i've been working and sleeping and working and sleeping and eating and working and sleeping yeah that's it <laughs> i feel that we've been bustling mm-hmm. bustling and hustling all right <laughs> so take it away time we for are... some content yes we are doing the uh haunted items round three today yeah so we both chose an item um I'm really excited for my item, and I feel bad I that too. you chose second, because how are you going to outshine this? I'm probably not, <laughs> but it'll be long enough to droll on that by the time I finish, people have forgotten what you talked about. <laughs> uh, oh, ouch. <laughs> what a burn, I'm, damn. <laughs> I've got like nine pages of notes, and I usually don't have this many. Fuck, okay, them strats. All right, so we got to get started. So, I chose um, a mirror. It's called the Dark Mirror. Before- I'm so excited. Yeah. Before we get into it, you know, we always do this, like, a little bit of history. So, I'm going to start with the history. But the history mm-hmm. of mirrors, haunted mirrors, and whatever, really boils down to the history of scrying. Yes, and ma'am. Asia, you're a witch. What mm-hmm. is scrying? Tell us. Um, I think everyone practices it a little bit differently for a different purpose. The general image you get is like the old-timey witch looking into a crystal ball, crystal ball to predict your future or something. Right. That's the general... When you hear the word scrying, that's what you picture. Um, for me personally... It's more of a meditative state, and you're hoping to see or hear or get some sort of message from another side, be it a spirit or your higher self. It's a way of communication similar to tarot decks, and it's just another tool in divination that it can be used in a few different ways and approached a few different ways. Yeah. Balls, mirrors standing water like there's a reflection you can scry (laughs) excellent perfect that's pretty much it so i tried to look into the history of like scrying through mirrors and unfortunately Mm -hmm. it really boils down the history of scrying through mirrors boils down to scrying and most history about scrying is about fucking crystal balls Yep. So, you have to bear with me. Follow me on this path. We're going to go from crystal balls to mirrors to famous haunted mirrors to this mirror in particular. You ready? Gotcha. 
I'm ready. All right. Let's do this. So you already touched on some of this. Um, scrying is an ancient form of divination that can be traced back to cultures all over the world. Egyptians, Persians, Chinese. But the earliest recorded use, or I'm sorry, that's just scrying in general. Um, when most people think of scrying, they think of the crystal ball. And the, the earliest recorded use of crystal balls actually comes from the Celtic Druids of Gaul, Britain, and Ireland. So it's actually kind of a Celtic thing, which I'm super excited about. Yes, that's both awesome. Irish. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the Celtic Druids of Gaul were around during like the Iron Age, and they were a class of highly respected and educated professionals who not only practiced like scrying and magic, but they also had a part in lawmaking, they did poetry, and they did medicine as well. So early oral accounts from Julius Caesar and a philosopher called Pliny the Elder talks about these uh, druid scryers. They uh-huh. were known as speculari. Mm, and sense. they commonly used a mineral to make a crystal ball. They commonly used this mineral called beryl, which is like green. And they would polish it into a sphere um, because to increase its reflective property, which is why people scry with crystal balls so that the reflection is like, it's just like the shape of a sphere has the most reflective property to it. It's got the most surface area that's all reflecting at every angle. Right. Because like you said, you can scry in pretty much anything. There's fire scrying, smoke scrying, Mm -hmm. scrying in water. There's even accounts of people scrying on their fingernails if they're shiny enough. As long as it's (laughs) shiny and you can look at it, you can scry with it. Basically. Interesting. Yeah. Um, They also used beryl because it was thought to be more magnetically charged than other minerals, which made it better for connecting to the psychic energies of the moon which i'm not sure what that is do you know what that is asia i didn't know that the psychic know. energies of the moon yeah like what's that mean <laughs> um that's a big question to try and get a quick answer out of yeah um i guess to put it in like really quick layman's terms you know how the sun, not sun, uh, the moon, the moon <laughs> makes the water move. So yeah. we've got, we wouldn't have waves. We wouldn't have a lot of our weather patterns without the moon. So the psychic energy is pretty much that same effect, but within our own bodies, it enhances the way we see, the way we perceive things. Um, being more in tune, you notice it, you notice different things with different phases of the moon different strengths each phase of the moon has a different property i guess to start exploring like a new moon is good to work on like setting new motivations new life goals starting over um full moons quarter moons like all phases of the moon have a different characteristic 
that you could work with to have better timing really to enhance whatever your goal is to achieve. So That's like in the quick context <laughs> of scrying with a crystal ball, basically are you just trying to tap into that psychic moon energy? Mm-hmm. Okay. I can dig that. I always yeah. <laughs> did think it was weird that like women's reproductive cycles were the same as the fucking moon. That's always kind of like stumped me. Mm-hmm. I I've, want an academic paper on that. <laughs> the little bit that I've read on that is like you're either a full moon cycle or a new moon cycle. Mm-hmm. You're one or the other. If you're not on a birth control or something that's trying to control that, if you're just going naturally, um, like for me, getting off of birth control and finally becoming more natural with my own body, I found out I'm a new moon. I'm a new moon cycle. New moon happens, I start within a day or two. Damn. Fucking weird. Like clockwork. So I was like, now I can look at my watch because I've got a little screen that tells me where the moon status is ah, at. That's dope. So I'm like, all right, we're a couple days away from the new moon. I will be starting at the end of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should get on that. <laughs> You're on birth control. It's not quite the same anymore. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, that's why they used bur- barrel. Um, unfortunately... The Druids were wiped out by Christianity by yep. the year 600 AD. Because, of course, Christians are like, oh, my God, magic, women's Witchcraft. cycles, Devil. menstrual cycles. We're not Devil about worship. that. <laughs> um, your, your women think for themselves? I'm sorry. That's not okay. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so even though it was predominantly wiped out by Christians, there were still like Christians who would use crystal balls. Because it was still a way to connect to the other side. So they would try to use them to, like, connect with God, talk to angels, see, like, visions. And Mm -hmm. by the other half of Christians that thought that this shit was, like, blasphemous, they were obviously shunned. Which, when I was, like, doing this research, reminded me, I don't know if you've heard this story, but our grandmother, Granny, who's passed away, she had a crystal ball. My mom got her a crystal ball from like a Wooby Wooby festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it it sat on for, a unicorn, I think. For for those of you who aren't aware of our terminology, <laughs> Wooby Wooby means metaphysical. Yeah, it's a metaphysical festival. <laughs> they were pretty fun. Okay. So, so it's my, sitting on unicorns. Yeah, so my mom got her, I think it was just one like unicorn figurine with a crystal ball sitting on it. And Granny was, like, terrified of the thing and kept it covered. Like, wouldn't even look at it. So I think she was probably informed by that sort of Christian background. Oh, yeah. Which is odd. (laughs) We can get into that later. (laughs) Asia and I have a very interesting family background. Yes. (laughs) So... Anyways, after scrying sort of fell out of popularity, using crystal balls fell out of popularity, their popularity was revamped during the Renaissance. And this is kind of interesting because the reason they came back into popularity is because some people considered crystal ball scrying as an almost quasi-scientific practice. So it wasn't like, it wasn't people who were spiritual that were like, astrologers. Yeah. So it's like actual <laughs> scientific geeky nerds being like, yo, this might have something to it. So they actually sort of considered 
scrying with a crystal ball legitimate. And it was still being stigmatized by the church, but crystal balls managed to stay in good standing in the scientific world, and they were even used in the political world, such as with um, Queen Elizabeth I. She had a close advisor called John Dee who would use um, scrying sessions with a crystal ball. Actually, he didn't have a crystal ball. He would use scrying sessions... um, to try to gain wisdom by communicating angels and he would actually use an obsidian mirror Uh so scrying was still kind of a thing but like scientifically (laughs) i want an obsidian mirror so bad but they are so expensive i've got a cheap ass plastic black mirror (laughs) we will get into actually mirrors and practicality um, I can get into my anecdote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll let you drink your screwdriver. <sighs> yeah, thank you. Okay. You're welcome. So, um, that's that was uh, the Renaissance. Crystal balls, Renaissance, science, got it. Now we're moving into the medieval period, which I think includes the Renaissance. I forget, but I think I have it's trouble with that time. one. They're one's right before the other, and I'm dyslexic, so I never remember which one's which. I want to say the they Renaissance blend into it. Yeah, yeah. I want to say the Renaissance was the end of the medieval era. Someone can tell us if we're wrong. Let's so, find out. Yeah, while you're doing that, um, you actually mentioned this earlier when I asked you at the top of the show uh, what you think of as scrying. So, and you said. You know, when people think of scrying, they mostly think of someone, you know, looking over a crystal ball. And a lot of people will picture, like, a person in, like, bangles and colorful, like, silks in a tent looking over a crystal ball, telling you your future, right? Everyone's fucking seen that trope. Yes, Asia, in the the back. (laughs) (laughs) So... The difference in the ages is really with the art. And medievals pretty much corrected to the Middle Ages period from the 5th to the 16th centuries. Um, The Renaissance was a cultural movement involving renewal of learning, development of infrastructure, reform in education, science advances. It was a transition. And the Renaissance is a bridge between the Middle Ages and the modern age. So the Renaissance came after the Middle Ages. The Renaissance came through it. So okay. the Middle Ages was happening, Renaissance was born, and then modernicity started taking over because of the Renaissance. The art, okay. the science, all the development of humans going past just fucking killing each other for nothing. <laughs> we have a sense of... Right. Sp- yeah. <laughs> so. so okay. Sorry. The reason I'm bringing up uh, the Middle Ages and the medieval times is because that depiction that I briefly mentioned of the person in the tent telling you your fortune through a crystal ball is a trope that actually uh, goes back to the Romani people or gypsies, right? So in the Middle Ages, the Romani people basically, um, they, okay, sorry, this is all over the place. The Romani the gypsies, they originate from northern India, and they left 
northern India around 1500 years ago and migrated into Europe in the 1100s. With their arrival into Europe, um, I think they were escaping persecution in northern India. When they arrived in Europe, they were persecuted more, enslaved. um, And basically the biggest reason why is because the Catholic Church didn't like their pagan practices, including fortune-telling. And so things like speaking to a Romani was outlawed. Uh, They forbade them from marrying each other. They forbade them from speaking their own language. Their children were kidnapped. They were, like, like I said, enslaved. The typical story of, you're different. We don't like you. Yeah. Throughout all of history. We're going to murder you all. We're going to ignore you all. You can't be different where we live. Yeah. And unfortunately, the Romani, this has, like, been their story. They are always persecuted. They've gone through. They've... They're kind of a nomadic people because they always have to pick up and move because they get pushed out of places. Um, So because they were constantly being uprooted and pushed along, the image of the fortune teller in a booth actually comes from um, the fact that setting up a fortune telling booth with a crystal ball was easy to do for someone that always has to keep moving so they could it was easy to carry around it was easy to set up and easy to tear down so they kind of popularized that image because that's what they were doing to make money and it was a way to easily move a business as they were you know moving along um so partly because of their widespread persecution the romani actually have communities on every single continent and by the 1930s, I know we're jumping, but by the 1930s, their fortune telling and like pagan practices basically dominated the market for fortune telling, which nice. is another reason why, yeah, why that's the image you think of when you think of crystal balls and scrying and whatnot. Good for them. Yeah. So, fun fact um, in New York, there is a law from 1967 that is still in place that makes fortune-telling in exchange for money a Class B misdemeanor. <laughs> so that's cool, New York. It makes me want to just go take my tarot deck out there or my pendulum and just sit on the street and see if someone pays me. <laughs> and jump up and go, do you want me to go to jail? <laughs> <laughs> I actually looked into it a little bit. For the most part, people aren't like getting misdemeanors because of fortune telling like there's still people like selling fortune telling but there there is a lot of stories of people getting swindled by fortune tellers and so they use this law to try to get back at them which doesn't always work Mm -hmm. um yeah so now we're gonna go move on to modern crystal balling (laughs) (laughs) so after Go ahead. <laughs> no, I just said, all right, I'm amused that you're crystal balling. <laughs> that was a funny one. That's actually a legitimate term. No, it's not. <laughs> um, all right, so after the traveling Romani gypsies popularized crystal balls, stage magicians started catching on. And one of the more popular ones, Alexander, the man who knows really took crystal balls and made them fucking huge and popular. Like, 
I'll say this right here. When I was trying to look up a haunted crystal ball, all I would get is like Halloween props because <laughs> people are so obsessed with fucking crystal balls. I didn't, couldn't find any stories or accounts. It was just like, ooh, get this haunted crystal ball prop. And that's all I could fucking find. <laughs> so Alexander, the man who knows, is partially to blame for that. He was a popular uh, vaudeville stage musician. And he was, at the height of his career, he was the highest paid mentalist, which is a person who claims to have heightened cognitive powers. Um, during his performances, he would have a crystal ball up on stage and he would answer audience questions which had been sealed in envelopes before the show. Apparently, he was real good at it. He became super popular. Um, but after his retirement... He published a book called The Life and Mysteries of the Celebrated Dr. Q, which I believe is him. Hmm. Basically, in that book, he just revealed all the tricks he had for deceiving people. A magician does not reveal his secrets. <laughs> I know. He broke the first rule of being a magician. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he Disgrace. made... He was one person that kind of took crystal ball scrying and carried it into the modern age another one which people might more readily recognize is gene dixon gene dixon was basically a cel a celebrity crystal ball gazer um who apparently had like crazy powers for crystal ball reading and fortune telling since she was a kid and i read an excerpt of an interview with her where she said that palm readers would turn white when they saw her hands because her hands like hers only happened once every thousand years. <laughs> All <laughs> so, right. Yeah, you know, big claims. But yes. The reason she was so popular is because in a 1956 article in the newspaper Parade, she correctly um, foretold the assassination of a democratic president which who do you think that was kennedy <laughs> good job you got it um look i don't know timelines but i'm assuming it's that president <laughs> yeah it was it was kennedy so basically before even his election she said in this magazine i foresee a democratic um candidate winning the election but then getting assassinated and then it happened so everyone was like oh shit gene dixon she was so freaking popular that richard nixon hired her as an actual personal advisor partly because on top of the kennedy thing she correctly foretold um a terrorist attack and I had it listed here, called the Munich Massacre. I'm not going to go into it because this is a long-ass episode already. Yeah, it's going to be probably one of our longest. Yeah. So, I do have a list of a couple of her correct predictions and a couple of her incorrect ones. So, there was John F. Kennedy, um, the terrorist attack, and then apparently she predicted that a pope would suffer bodily harm and another would be assassinated which I guess they relate to the attempted assassination of Pope John Paul II and allegations of assassination of Pope John Paul I. Okay. 
She has a lot of incorrect ones, though, too. So one of them, she failed to to help find a missing six-year-old named Dennis Lloyd Martin, who had gone missing in the Great Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. Um, So she's she can't find people, but she can see death. Yeah, she can. Yeah, (laughs) a lot of her predictions were like, "Ooh, assassination, Armageddon." In 1956, she thought, or she predicted that 1958 would bring the beginning of World War III. She predicted that 2020 would be the year of Armageddon. And <laughs> one, <laughs> yeah. So we no, have just had COVID. That shit. <laughs> yeah, COVID was pretty close. I mean, she was, you know, she was only slightly off. It was basically it was, Armageddon. It was the end of the world as we know it. Yeah. Yeah. A year forgotten because everyone was just trying to forget. For real. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, there is this last interesting one, though, that has not come to pass. So in five years, we'll see. Actually, in four. She predicted that between 20 and 2025 and 2037, a war would break out between Russia and China. And that China would not only initiate the war, but also win it. Interesting. So, we have that to look forward to. She died, I think, in the 90s of a heart attack. But she has one more, at least, prophecy that may carry her into, you know, stardom. What are you looking at? I felt rumbling in my feet, and I'm like, what just happened in the basement? <laughs> at first, oh I thought God. it was, like, a song or something, but... It's by the wall, like where that closet is down there. So I'm like, did something fall out of the closet? Is the door Asia? moved? Why? Sorry. It's, a, it's Just... a little late in the episode for you to be bringing up your disturbing thing of the week, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it just happened. I can't help it. <laughs> that is kind of weird. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. That's okay. Go All on. right. So that's the brief history of crystal balls and crystal balling. Now we'll get into mirrors. I tried to look up a history of mirrors. I could fucking not find anything. I think the only reason there's articles about the history of crystal balls is because they're so fucking popular in media. Whereas mirrors, it's like, ooh. I'm surprised you couldn't find much on it. Yeah, I, I might not have been searching the right shit, but yeah. Um, okay, <clears throat> so like we said earlier, scrying can be done in any reflective surface, um, crystal balls included. But the thing about crystal balls is that they're not exactly practical. Like, you, have, you probably have to buy one, and if you're going to make one, like, good luck figuring that out. I couldn't Not do to that. mention it's a fire hazard if you don't leave it covered. What? The crystal ball? Uh huh. Oh, because it's reflective. And it's magnifying. If you leave an uncovered one in the windowsill, sun comes through, you could burn down your house. Fuck. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, so because <laughs> of that, um, people have found other ways of scrying, including making their own scrying mirrors. So, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but scrying mirrors are actually pretty easy to make plus they're transportable which makes them kind of popular um the thing that makes a scrying mirror different from a regular mirror is that it's made with a black 
backing to rec- to increase the reflective quality of the mirror. Uh-huh. Um, so I found an excerpt by a woman named Katrina Rashbold from her online site that talks about how to scry through a mirror. And I'm just going to read that real quick. So, after dark, arrange a mirror so that you sit, sit directly in front of it and have a candle lit on each side between you and the mirror. Wait, what? Whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> Make sure there are no additional light sources in the room. Wear clothing that is dark and does not reflect from the mirror. Sit approximately 18 to 24 inches from the mirror at most. Light an incense that you enjoy. Play meditative music if you wish. As the candles burn, relax your entire body, starting with your face and working your way down to your feet. Feel your muscles in your mind relax more with every breath. When you have relaxed completely, work to still your mind from mundane thoughts. See them as tangible objects whirling around you that stop and drop to the floor. Which is not the first time I've heard that. It's actually the second time. Do you have a question, Asia? I was just going to say she left out to not have your reflection in the mirror. I think she wants you to have it in there. Interesting. Everything that I've ever studied is like, don't have your reflection in the mirror. Angle it so you can see into it, but you can't see yourself. Mm -hmm. We'll get into that, too. (laughs) So, whirling around, dropping to the floor. Yeah, okay. Make your mind as blank as possible. Focus on the surface of the mirror and the reflections you see from candlelight and occasional wafts of smoke. Do not strain your eyes to see anything or work too hard. Relax and let it come to you. With mirror scrying, you will sometimes see physical images. You may see your features. Yeah, see, she wants you to look at yourself. You may see your features shift and change until you look like someone else. You may have images appear in your mind or through your third eye. Pay attention to any impressions you receive. (laughs) She just... She just put her hand in, like, a perfect or okay form and put it over her forehead. <laughs> <laughs> we need to start recording ourselves and, like, do a Patreon content of we these should... our video recordings. <laughs> we should fucking do a Twitch. <clears throat> I, I need to get a camera and you need to get a microphone. We, we've true. got a minute. <laughs> That's true. Um. Okay. Mind's eye, I'm pouring some fucking alcohol for myself. Okay. Uh, physical images, third eye. Oh, pay attention to any impressions you receive when you're in this state. For my first mirror scrying experiment, I asked, what did I look like before this life? And I literally saw my features shift and change several times. It was quite a relaxing and enjoyable experience. As my mentor said many years ago, you will see amazing things. It may not happen immediately and may take practice, but this technique is fascinating to try. Why are you shaking your head? What do you disagree with? Seeing amazing things. Why? (laughs) What? Just with my experience. Keep going. We'll get to my anecdote in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So that was her. uh, That was Katrina's advice on how to scry um and for the most part this is harmless right you're just 
like the way I see it with like a skeptical type of mind is like you're literally just hallucinating shit, which I know is not it's not impossible to make yourself hallucinate. Like you can put yourself in a super quiet ass room and just people will get fucking freaked out just by how fucking quiet it is. Or mm-hmm. like those what are they called? Um sensory the- deprivation. Wow. Did you just scry that out of my mind's eye? <laughs> I just read your mind. I didn't have to do any scrying. Oh my god. <laughs> um yeah, sensory deprivation tanks, shit like that. Like the way I see this, if you're looking at and this happens to me. I don't know if you've ever had this, but sometimes like for example in an interview if I'm making direct eye contact with someone for too long, their face starts looking fucking weird. And I have to like blink and look away. And I'm like, oh, God, this is kind of rude because I can't like you're talking to me, but I'm looking away because otherwise your face looks fucking weird right now. That's when I look to their ear or right above their shoulder. I'm yeah. looking at them, but not into their eyes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm not convinced that people are really seeing anything. I think, you know from all the stuff I've read, it's like, like one source said, don't listen to music because it can affect what you scry, which really to me means, yeah, if I'm listening to heavy metal while I'm scrying, I'm probably going to see a fucking, you know, I don't know, a dude biting a chicken's head off. Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> you look at that. Whoa. Or Marilyn Manson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's kind of my take on this stuff. But for the most part, it's harmless, right? You're just scrying. You're hallucinating shit in the mirror, having epiphanies. Um, But the reason we're talking about scrying in mirrors and mirrors in general is because this is not totally harmless territory. Shit apparently can go down. Some believe, some people believe that mirrors hold a lot of power in and of themselves. Not that you're just a tool, but that they can be, like, imbued with power. Mm -hmm. Um, Some say that you can accidentally or intentionally open portals in a mirror. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Others say that mirrors may be cursed or have malignant beings attached to them. And we've seen Uh this in horror movies all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. Something passes behind you in the mirror, or you look in the mirror, and something's fucking, you know, different, scary, ooh. A couple of, like, good examples, or one good example, is fucking Bloody Mary. Yes. Yes. Please tell me you dug into the origin story of Bloody Mary. Fuck yeah, I did. Yes! (laughs) I'm so so proud of you. There are a couple origin stories, quote-unquote. But, like... So there's Mary Worth, which is the one we're going to cover. And then there's Bloody Mary, who was like, was she a queen? She was like an English royal who was yeah. very violent. And they uh-huh. called her nickname was Bloody Mary. So some people think that she, she was is, atrocious. Yeah, that she's the ghost that shows up when you say Bloody Mary in a mirror. I disagree. Uh-huh. I think it's Mary Worth. So we're going to tell her story. <laughs> Let's go for it. All right, so Mary Worth was a witch who lived in a small cabin in a, fear, in, a, in a forest near a village. She was known around the village for selling tinctures and remedies to the people. 
Locals were afraid of her because she was a witch, and they were worried that she would cast a curse on them if they got too close. And the people in the village who would buy shit from her were actually shunned by the other people because mm-hmm. she's a fucking witch. What are you doing? I'm sorry, you don't know what a nurse is yet, but okay. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Same fucking thing. Um, so, soon, people started noticing that small girls were going missing. It wasn't just like one or two. It was like girls from all over this little village started going missing. It was causing a crisis. Uh, they went, of course, to ask Mary about it. And even though she denied knowing anything about the girls, they all noticed that she looked more youthful and feminine than they remembered. Hang on. Oh, we're actually looking at you now. Yeah. We're not just walking by you. (laughs) Richard, can you take the dog out, please? (laughs) The dog is going to pee on the carpet. (laughs) I swear. Um, okay. So, she's youthful and beautiful and whatever. Um, then the miller's daughter. One night, the miller's daughter became captivated by a noise only she could hear. She had been sitting in the bed as her mom was, like, applying a remedy from Mary Worth to her toothache she had a toothache her mom was trying to fix it with this tincture she got from mary Mm -hmm. all of a sudden the miller's daughter sat bolt right up and just seemed to be distracted by something that wasn't there she gets up and she fucking walks her happy ass out of that house and into the darkness her mom and dad were like hey what the fuck are you doing get back here what are you doing she doesn't even seem to hear them and they can't tell what the fuck she's hearing So they chase her out into the dark. Um, They get the help of some village folk. The village folk are like following her out into the dark, being like, what the fuck? And then one of the townsfolk notices that there's a light coming from the edge of the woods. And it's coming from the direction that that the daughter is headed towards. So as they got closer, they saw that it was Mary Worth standing there with a wand pointed at the miller's daughter. So they freaking mob up on her and start chasing her into the woods. And Mary breaks the spell, runs off, and is like, oh, fuck, I'm getting chased. And somehow the miller, the guy whose daughter is possessed or whatever, mm-hmm. brought his, he thought to brought his, to, fuck. <laughs> English hard. <laughs> He had the forethought to bring his gun, which he had the forethought of loading with silver bullets because of this very thing. He was worried with all the missing girls happening. It's uh, a werewolf. Yeah, that he would fucking get ready with some silver bullets. So he grabs his gun with silver bullets and he's bringing it with him. Mary runs off and he shoots her. And hits her in her hip, causing her to fall on the ground and the mob to be able to encircle her and tie her up. They drag her back to town. They tie her to a stake and they light a bonfire underneath her. She's screaming and burning and in the middle of dying from fire. Firing from fire from burning. 
burning at the stake. What's that for being fired? In the middle of her burning at the stake, she curses the town with a very specific curse, saying that if any of the townsfolk ever dared to utter her name in a mirror, she would come back from the spirit world and seek revenge on them. I think this is my favorite origin story. It's pretty good, right? Mm -hmm. After she was burned and died, the villagers searched through her cabin and around in the woods around it, and they found rows and rows of unmarked graves, believed to be the many girls who had gone missing and who Mary drained the life force from. As the curse goes, if you say her name in front of a mirror, she will come to take your soul, and you'll be trapped in the mirror for eternity. But you have to do it like Beetlejuice. You have to say it three times. Yeah, so that's actually interesting because I looked it up. This one's just like if you say her name, but then there's like you say it three times or there's like you say it 13 times and do a little twist and she'll come. I didn't know about the twist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like a lot of little offshoots, but this I want to say this is probably the actual origin story just because it's like you just have to say her name in a mirror. And it makes the most sense to me. Mm-hmm. So, like I was saying before, mirrors are not always benign and, you know, just a little tool you can use to fucking scratch it out of, you know? Mm-hmm. Which brings us to the dark mirror. Are you ready? Gotcha. Are you I'm ready. Taste buds skintalized for this? <laughs> I don't know that term, but give me a second. I don't either. It felt right. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So, the dark mirror is a mirror that currently exists and has history to it. The dark mirror is a part of a collection from the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and the Occult. The Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and the Occult is a collection of items collected by a couple, Greg Newkirk and Dana Matthews, over 15 years. Um, and Please tell me this is still a thing. The mirror? Oh, the museum? Uh-huh. Fuck yeah, it is. I was actually looking at their yes! tour dates. They're not coming to either of us anytime soon, but... We need it's to still keep an thing. eye on that. I know. Um, okay, sorry. So basically, Greg and Dana have had like an obsession with haunted items, items that are connected with hauntings or like just paranormal things in general. And -hmm. they've been collecting them and they decided partway through collecting them, oh, we should like be showing these off. We shouldn't just collect them for ourselves. So they have this little traveling museum that they take to different events and different shows around the world. Um, So... One of I would hate to travel with those things, because if an, there's a certain amount of like haunted items and they all do something different, <laughs> some of them could be like heavily cursed and like try to crash your plane or sink your boat or yeah. crash the train. Like there's so many things that you could could go wrong on traveling trips where it's like yeah. I wouldn't want to travel with these items personally. Yeah, I mean they've gotten away with it, but we will go into that too. Ah. So here's a list of some of the things that they have. And I'm actually going to use this for our future haunted items episodes because they have a lot of fucking creepy ass shit. But Sweet. The Catskills Crone. 
Don't ask me what any of these are. I just thought the names are cool. The Begging Bowl. The Idol of Nightmares, a.k.a. Billy. (laughs) (laughs) Wooden planks from the actual house that the Amityville Horror was based on. Oh, shit. That Amity house is haunted as shit. I've been wanting to cover that one and just waiting for us to get there. Yeah, they got some fucking planks. Nice. Um, The Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot cast. Okay. The last one I'm going to mention is the Conjuring Crystal. And the reason I'm going to mention this is because it's a fucking crystal ball. So, the excerpt they have on their website about the Conjuring Crystal says this. This crystal ball once belonged to a prominent psychic who credited much of her accuracy to her spirit guide, a man who she regularly conjured up through the crystal. Later in life, and now a born-again Christian, the former psychic became convinced that her spirit guide was the devil himself and disposed of the crystal, or so her family thought. After her funeral, the former fortune teller's son discovered the conjuring crystal in her belongings and attempted to use the divination tool himself, only to be interrupted by slamming doors, flickering lights, and an overwhelming presence that he believed was his mother warning him to step away from the crystal ball. Okay. So that's all I know about it. That's their little ep- excerpt on this conjuring crystal. Interesting. But this is the type of stuff they collect. They coll- they go after a lot of items that they hear about, but they also have things relinquished to them because people are like, please fucking get this off my hands. I don't want this in my house anymore. You take it. Exactly. <laughs> um, so the dark mirror is in their collection. They acquired it in June of 2015, which is where most of my information is from because they have a little blog post that goes into detail about it rather than like these excerpts that are on their website. So in June 2015, a woman who they're calling Sarah wanted to donate a mirror, which had been troubling her family. The story she told them was that after visiting a psychic expo, a Wooby Wooby fair, Her mother became interested in black mirror scrying and purchased a black mirror for herself. Uh, In the weeks following the expo, Sarah noticed that her mother was becoming more and more distant as she practiced scrying in the mirror. Uh, When Sarah would try to call her, she noticed that her mother's conversations with her were filled with doom and gloom, and she eventually confided in Sarah that she thought the mirror was broken because she was having no luck scrying with it, no matter how hard she tried. Okay. As Sarah's mother became more and more obsessed, Sarah finally decided to step in. One day, she visited her mom and demanded to see the mirror. She found out that her mother had hidden it under a black veil, and when she asked her why, her mom broke down into tears and said that the mirror was evil. And that's all she said. So Sarah wrapped the mirror up, brought it home, and locked it away. But even though the mirror was locked away, Sarah started noticing that there was like an unsettling presence in her house and, you know, surrounding the mirror. So she did the smart thing and decided to give it up to the museum. So Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> so this museum, travel around. They bring the mirror on tour. And one thing about this museum that they're very proud of is that they allow people to pick up and touch and interact with the objects that they have on tour with the That's disclaimer a bad idea. 
yeah, the disclaimer is, you know, you're allowed to touch and look at these things and mess with them at your own risk. Yeah, we are not going to be held accountable for the shit you decided to touch that you shouldn't have, <laughs> but go ahead, touch it if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> so on June 20th, they set up at the Perryville Battlefield at an event for Nick Groff, who is some sort of guy with the ghost adventure. Sorry, I didn't look into who the fuck he is, but he's big, I guess. They decided to put the mirror on, the, on display. So this was the first spot that the mirror was on display. So people came around the booth. Of course, they're allowed to hold it, touch it, whatever. The first woman to come up and actually take the mirror and look at it. She looked into it. I mean, this is the report. She apparently looked at into it for about 30-ish seconds, then quickly slammed the mirror down, saying that she shouldn't have done that. And no shit. the museum guy was like, why? What happened? And she said, I saw my own decomposing corpse looking back at me. That's a dark mirror. I should not have done that. I need to go say a prayer. Excuse me. <laughs> so, cool. I'm a born-again Christian, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> Protect me. <laughs> so, after she said, that's a dark mirror, that's sort of how it got its name. And people were like, oh, so they started coming around the booth, trying to check out the mirror. Will I see my rotting corpse? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because people are like, nah. So, you have skeptics and believers alike coming up to this mirror. Some people picked it up and saw nothing. But other people would have all these strange occurrences that they told the museum owners. So, you know, they'd have like strange visions. They'd see warping faces. They'd get a sense of dread in general. At this particular event, one, one woman apparently pressed her hand to the mirror. And then for the next two hours, violently was like she spent the next two hours violently trying to scrub her imprint off the mirror because it would not fade she claimed she saw her own corpse and other visions that she refused to say um, and the imprint finally did fade after she threatened to smash the mirror okay fine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so a lot of people reported visions but so far no one was like hurt the mirror's power wasn't powerful enough to go beyond that so the next place they travel to is they take the mirror to the Penhurst Asylum, where there was like an event going Shit. on. Mm -hmm. And they have it on display again. So one woman, walking up claiming to be a skeptic, looked into the mirror and claimed to see her own mouth whispering to her, even though she hadn't moved it at all. And the other people who were standing around her were like, yeah, no, we didn't see you moving your mouth at all. <laughs> it says that nearly a dozen of the people who viewed the mirror reported the feeling of electricity coursing through their body from the mirror. So the mirror is starting to get a little physical. Others got headaches. And one woman in particular reported the feeling and taste of her mouth filling with blood, which is particularly disturbing. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's a very specific flavor and sensation. Yeah, which is, for me, that's the type of evidence that kind of lends to the credibility because it's like who the fuck makes that up someone could make it up but like who would and it's less of a uh picturing it yourself in your mind no you're physically feeling it versus 
your mind conjuring up what it wants to see. Yeah. So after that event, where the mirror is like becoming more physical with electricity, headaches, mouth is filling up with blood, the guy and his wife decided like, oh, let's not take this on tour anymore. We're just going to bring this home. This isn't a good idea. We should we should leave this one. <laughs> yeah. So they fucking bring the mirror into their own house. And right away, they notice that their two cats are particularly afraid of it. Like, I think they spent a day like looking at the mirror. And then after that day, we're like fucking terrified of the mirror. They tried to drape the mirror in a veil. But in the morning, they would notice that the veil was off. They tried to film the mirror all night, and they got footage for a couple of nights. But then on the last night, the memory card corrupted itself. You can't watch me, bitch. I'm going to do this in secret. (laughs) Yeah. It was like playing with them. Like, yo, yeah, I'll let you record Mm -hmm. me. Just kidding. (laughs) Psych. And then the the other thing they started noticing is that some of the haunted items that they had kept in their house actually started to act haunted that hadn't before. They had been benign for a while. Like, yeah, we're comfortable with you. We'll just leave you be. What the fuck did you bring in here? This is not okay. (laughs) They start losing their mind. I'm sorry. The three of us here, we were cool, but you brought in this motherfucker and we just don't get along. So (laughs) we're going to throw a fit about it. (laughs) Which is an interesting take because my take is more like, The mirror is like, what do they call that? It's like amplifying everything else. That's how I kind of think of it. It could be, but if you've got a few different haunted things that have been benign, they're chill. They're comfortable. It's like Casper the Friendly Ghost. They're hanging out with you, but they're not going to fuck with you. Right. Then you bring something else into their space that's like, now you've got a whole spiritual warfare going on. (laughs) This motherfucker, who are you? You're not supposed to be here. This is my home and these two buddies. We're friends now, but you are not our friend. You can't be here. Like a couple of fucking high school girls. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You can't throwing shit at each other. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You can't sit with us. Yeah, so (laughs) one of the items apparently was a haunted painting that had been benign you know, hadn't been doing shit. It randomly it flies painting? off the wall. No, uh, it's <laughs> one of the paintings that they, like, in this blog, they have a couple pictures of these little expos. It's like this painting of a young girl in a dress. I think that's the one they're talking about. Please tell me she moves around in different places in the painting. Well, according to this, she hadn't been doing anything. Hmm. Another item that apparently didn't like this new guy mirror mr guy mirror whatever the fuck (laughs) was a creepy doll called ruby root this Mm -hmm. one freaks me out a little ruby disappeared they don't know where the fuck ruby is i've got arms and legs i'm out (laughs) (laughs) i like your takes because my take is like ruby is a fucking doll with arms and legs and if you can't fucking find her she's gonna cut you in the middle of the night it's like you got chucky or it's like Oh, I'm not doing this. You brought this mother. I'm out. See ya. <laughs> walks out the window. <laughs> um, and then the last item that they mentioned is they have a Ouija board. And the mm-hmm. planchette, which I guess you probably know this, but the planchette, mm-hmm. the piece that everyone put, puts their hand on and slides around. Apparently, the planchette would slide around in the case by itself. Like, they could hear it just sliding around in there. Mm-hmm. Technically, when using a Ouija board, you're not sliding it. Your hands are touching it, but 
like the lightest feather touch. It's more for a physical contact. You're like an antenna. Because usually a planchette is too much for them to move. Right. So they'll kind of go through you to physically manipulate it. Unless your whatever is attached to this fucking mirror and you can just do whatever you want. Yep, really strong. That's yeah. for sure. Um, so, needless to say, they don't keep the mirror on display in their house anymore. They report that they wrapped it in a sheet, draped a rosary over that sheet, and locked it away in a chest. But this is all back in 2015. It's on a blog site. I tried to like see if there was more current blogs about the mirror. I couldn't find yeah. anything. I go to so their that's website. That's pretty recent. Yeah. I go to their website. They still have the mirror listed as an item. So there's a chance that they still will bring it on display for like events and stuff. But other than this nicely detailed blog post from 2015, I can't find it anywhere else. Hmm. Okay. But at the end of his blog post, he his <laughs> the dog. Sorry. At the end of his blog post, he shares that his theory basically is that the mirror. F- Get out of here. You painted on me. Sorry, you'll probably hear that. In the say, I, I heard that one. <laughs> oh my god, he's so cute though. Um, go ask daddy. I can't You're like help a you. couple sentences away. Just I know, I know. I'm trying. <laughs> His ears are so big. Get out I of know, here. but we're almost an hour in, and I still have a long ass story to go. Oh, we are an hour in. Maybe right. we could do we could do a part one and part two. Okay, anyways, his theory is that the mirror feeds off of dark energy, but also feeds dark energy, and energy in general makes it more powerful over time. Which I think kind of could be an argument because the mom wasn't having a problem at all but the more energy she put into it the more freaked out she seemed to get and like with the traveling museum the more people picked up picked it up and looked at it the stronger and stronger it got and that's the end of my story (laughs) so i knew you were almost done yeah definitely putting energy into things will amplify it and the more and more that goes into it with the same general consensus of what they want out of it it's gonna just be like i'm here yeah so should i bother with my anecdote yeah let's do it okay so like i mentioned earlier i have a plastic black scrying mirror got it in a uh witch's box subscription that i was on which i don't buy from anymore because they send a lot of haunted shit that i was not intending to invite into my home (laughs) So the first and only time I have scried, I apparently opened up a fucking portal. I don't know how I did it, and I needed help to close it. It was an adventure, but the night itself, I didn't think anything happened. I did the whole lights off, light source on either side where the reflection was not in the mirror, angled it upwards so my face wasn't in the mirror, had meditation music playing put incense burning in front of it because usually that's how you'll see something is in the smoke didn't see anything and i meditated a scribe for like an hour and i was like okay i'm tired i'm gonna wrap this up i'm finally starting to calm down like i was in like a trance state so once the trance kind of wrapped up all right i'm I'm a little warm out that was a lot of energy yeah (laughs) so i go to bed everything's fine close out everything and i always put protections down every time i do any spiritual work just because there's 
negative shit's drawn to me, whether I like it or not. So I'm, I'm cautious. Yeah. And uh, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, I didn't see anything. I didn't feel anything. I didn't get any visions or premonitions. Nothing. I was just like, eh. I was just kind of curious. I was like, I just want to see something I haven't seen before. So I was just looking. A couple months go by and I start noticing that shit's going off a little weird in my workroom. Not <laughs> sure why. There was one day where I left for work but forgot something. So I asked my roommate to go in my room and grab it off my dresser. And he's like, your room attacked me. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, fuck? shit fell on me. Like, shit came off the walls. <laughs> like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> I mean, well, that's a little scary. You didn't tell me yeah. that part. I figured I'd leave some special details. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, well, at least my room's protecting my space. But at the same time, I never asked anything to. Yeah. So, what's in my room? <laughs> And turns out I opened a portal and I had let in about six or seven different things that were hiding in different areas of my rooms. Most of them were small and benign, but there was one pretty big, heavy presence that decided to hide out in my closet for a while. Of course, the fucking closet. Mm -hmm. So there's my anecdote. I had to have my mother come up and help me sort out where everything was coming from. Because it was, I had opened the portal, but like I mentioned, I got other haunted items. So I, we had to do a lot of cleansing that night of a bunch of random things. And then the mirror she got to and she's like, you opened a portal. I did what now? How'd I do that? So I was amused, but also I haven't used it since simply because I don't know how I opened it and I don't want to do it again by accident. Although I know how to close it now. Fucking terrifying. Yeah. It's just unsettling. Especially because you had do. no idea. No idea, no intention to do so. Like Most people were trying to open, they're trying to orb in the portal. Yeah. I did not. I was not <laughs> trying. It happened by accident. Damn. I can close it now on my own, but I still don't know how I opened it. So until I figure out what I did, I'm kind of holding off so I don't repeat this process. Yeah, for real. All right. All right, mirrors. Done. Hello friends, this is Rose, your favorite agency girl. I'm editing this episode and post-recording, Asia and I decided to split it into two parts. So, you just heard my part. Um, Stick around next week because we'll be releasing Asia's part and it's going to be a good one. She's covering the Dybbuk box. So, we'll see all of you there. Bye-bye!